Okay, so this is going to be a, uh, a new podcast that we're starting. This is going to be the first episode. And we are going to go ahead and start off with a three-part series on sobriety. And the podcast is called, Why Would You Bring That Up? What we want to do is we want to have tough conversations, um, uncomfortable conversations. A lot of them will probably be things where there's, there's room for disagreement. We might not always disagree, but we're both fairly good at uh, playing devil's advocate. I am the other we, by the way, just so you know. No, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't including you in that. I was meaning the me that our we are. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. The we that I am. The we that you is. Yes. Okay, then disregard. Anyway. Uh, so this is. <laughs> this is. It's called what? What would? Why would you? <laughs> this is called why would you bring that up? We're so good at this. This is, I'm amazing. I'm, we are the best at this. Uh, <clears throat> this is called, why would you bring that up? <laughs> because that's the response that a lot of the, both of us now, this time it's you included. Uh, both of us get that quite a bit. Why would you bring that up? Yeah. Why would you, why would you talk about politics? Why would you talk about religion? Well, it, why would you talk about d- 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 dogs having, opinions why like i why why wouldn't you well it's just i I don't know why it's just how my brain has always been wired i uh i i just i don't really i know everyone always says this but i really don't have a filter but it's it's fine to as long as you can do it respectfully and that's one thing that i'm really Mm -hmm. good at doing too and i'm good at not getting upset about having difficult conversations with anyone it's just hard for the other party to and that's I'm not like I'm not trying to toot our own horns or no, anything. No, no, not at all. I'm just saying that's just how my brain is wired. It does seem to be though, since it's uh, there are a lot of topics that get neglected. Those tend to be the topics that people can't have conversations about, like civilly, because you're not supposed to bring up politics. You're not supposed to bring up religion. You're not supposed to bring up areas where you struggle, like addiction or whatever. And so those become things that you can't talk about because you're not supposed to and now when it has to be talked about nobody can do it i i feel like that that we are in the beginning stages though of that taboo label on those things going away just because now that's all anyone ever talks about is politics and religion and yeah but there's not a whole lot of uh, middle ground no being sought. no that's the yeah that's the thing is, and that's what i mean like you can talk at somebody yeah or you can talk with somebody and that's what this podcast wants to be about: is being able to talk with people. My name is uh, my name's Cameron, by the way. Yeah, and I'm Mal. So that's us. <clears throat> Odds are, if you're listening to this episode, you probably know us. And we're not like we uh, we're insulting you a little bit, but not like playfully. We're doing it playfully. No, yeah, it's not. The, obviously, we're not taking any personal stabs at anyone that we know. Yeah, we we're know. Really not, it's really it's really not. it's mostly people that. I don't know that I come in contact with all the time. I'm just looking at them just going, Oh my God, like this person cancels out my vote. Yeah. And it just, it drives me nuts that people can't talk about stuff like that civilly. Yeah. So this is kind of, this is kind of us jumping on the bandwagon, trying to bring 
not awareness, because there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about that people already know, but we just want to bring our opinions to the table just because we bought the microphones and yeah, we, we have, to, yeah, we bought microphones. We have an internet connection. What more why, did you need? Why not? We have to tell the people our we're, opinions. We have, we have, we are 31, both of us. We so are, we are white. Of course we've lived all the life there is to live. Yes, of course. And so we have to start a podcast. Next up comes a Patreon. Nah. No, yeah, that's okay. That's nah. too far. That, why, would I, why would I bring that up? Yeah. I why would I even bring that up? I'm sorry. That's my bad. Yeah, you should know better. So anyway, you were talking about... Uh, normally, we're not going to be doing this as a little mini-series, but we feel like that this is a big one for especially you and me, but then we're also going to bring on mm-hmm. another co-host in a future episode, and it's really big for him as well. But it's uh, we're going to talk about sobriety just because it's very prevalent in your life, especially because you are 100 and how many days sober uh, now? Let me, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. And I am very unsober. I'm sober right now, but not... Yeah. But I, I, I am not practicing sobriety. And then our... our uh, our co-host that will be coming on here in, within the next few episodes is uh, he's ten years sober, over ten, over years. ten years sober. So yeah, it's so. it's you're just kind of getting the point of view of everything uh, from all angles because I am considering yeah. going going that so way. I am at 107 days sober. So there's that. It could be better. I can't, yeah, those are rookie numbers. That's rookie numbers. You got to push that yeah. shit up, man. You bump it up. Uh, I love that. Speaking movie. of sobriety. Speaking of sobriety, that man oh. needed it. <laughs> okay, so here is the earth round. Uh, nice. Anyway, and that's another thing you're going to have to use, get used to. Uh, we're both ADHD, and uh, we will. Re- we've been best friends for. Yeah, we can tell. We can tell this story. Seventeen years. It's since 2002. No, 2001. Yeah, since... Really? Two, yeah, 2001, because it was seventh grade. Wow. It might have been... It was during football season. It might have been 2000. No, it was 2001 in Are seventh you sure? grade. Yeah, because that's... Uh, seventh grade you're during right, football right. practices would have been, would have sem- been September 11th. Yes, yeah, so. yes, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, so it was so around that Around, around that, that time. time. Yeah, wow. so our, our friendship is as old as 9-11. Our friendship can vote. Yeah. Hooray! Good for us. And then it's going to get old enough to drink, but we won't be able to celebrate it because we're all sober now. <laughs> I'm, I've not agreed to anything yet. Yes, I, yeah, but anyway. Um, we, we, ref- we have a lot of... Uh, Inside jokes and a lot of references from from you know just a ni- lot of things. Eighteen, nineteen years of being friends. So eh. eighteen years. <laughs> one of the things that I, one of the ideas I've kicked around is if we do eventually do a Patreon, having one of the or some one of the perks being that we go through and we listen to each week's episode and we find the inside jokes and then we explain them in a bonus episode for the Patreon. So. We're getting ready to start our own little cult here, so yes. everyone come jump on board. Yes, if you've ever looked at either one of us and thought, man, they're weird, but they seem happy. Well, you're wrong. Yeah, you're, you're, first you're so wrong. You're <laughs> so but, wrong. And then second of all, uh, join us. Please. But anyway, without, oh, like, we, 
we will go off on tangents aplenty, but this episode, I think we need to go ahead and just start off with the main question of the episode, which is, why are you thinking about getting sober? Oh, Lord. Um, That is... Uh, the si- the simple answer is is it's i don't there is no simple answer so i was raised i was raised very conservative um uh evangelical southern baptist kind of thing even though it was in texas texas isn't south so texas baptist i guess i don't know it was part of the southern baptist convention though oh was it oh i yeah. did, i didn't even know that <clears throat> yeah. okay well uh, I was raised that way, and it was we were always taught that you never drink. Like, we were your your parents didn't teach you how to handle the alcohol because you weren't ever going to drink the alcohol because that's how you were raised, and it was just it there it, there, it was black and white. You either were a sinner and you drank, or you loved Jesus and didn't drink. And I'm not saying that that's. I'm not saying that if you believe that your religion. Uh, convict uh, can if you feel convicted by your religion to not drink i'm not trying to make fun of you for that i get that if that's your reason if that's your fight then i respect the hell out of that uh, it, that's just it to me it just seems like whenever you're taught that growing up you are already not put in a good position whenever it comes to life and everything that's going to be coming your way it already it mystifies it and makes it this cool thing that you kind of want to try of course of course so there was all that, and I, through a bunch of series of unfortunate events, they, uh, the first time I ever got drunk was at prom, and I had no idea what I was even doing, and I don't remember that night at all, but I do know that I can never drink Jim Beam because of it, because that was all that they, that they gave me, and now just even the smell of it just makes me ugh, just think about that night, even still all these years later. Uh, and then I didn't really drink until I joined the Navy and oh boy, the stories I could tell you about that. That, that was only a couple months later though. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I joined the Navy. I graduated high school, May 27th, 2007. <clears throat> I left for boot camp July 5th, 2000 or 2007. I'm sorry. Did I say that? Or did I say 2011? You said 2007. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. July 5th, 2007 is whenever I left. So not even two months. And yeah. I was and I was working too, so it was. How do you have? How did you have those numbers off the top of your head? Those dates. I I just remember them. I. Okay, if you really want, I I can tell you why. It's because at my one year mark after graduating high school, I was in the smoke pit on the flight deck of the Dwight D Eisenhower, and there was this one guy that was in the smoke. It was in the smoke pit with me and my buddy, and he was an older guy. He was a chief. And he looks at his watch, and we didn't even say a word to him, but he just looks at us, and he just goes, hey, I graduated high school 17 years ago today. And then he left, and it was weird. And I looked, I was like, oh, May 27th. I graduated high school one year ago today. So that's how I remember that one. <laughs> and then, That's random. I know, I know, but that's just why I and remember then, it. And that's how every, my brain works. And then everybody remembers, every, every military member remembers the exact day they joined. Well, it's, I remember because it was the day, that, technically, I left for boot camp on the 5th, and my boot camp didn't start until the 7th. 
because we got there, we left late on the 5th and got there super early on the 6th. So we, we had to do all the processing and stuff early in the morning at, uh, on the 6th and then the 7th was that first day. And so it was 7707. Ah. So that's how I remember that one. Ah. That was technically my first day in the Navy. So anyway, I digress. Um, but then, yeah, a few months later, I started really, really going hard into the paint with drinking uh, at A school just because it was this great, amazing thing that I was never told to do. And now I'm like, I am just surrounded by it. And so I don't know how to say no to it because I didn't want to. And it, it made everything more fun. Yeah, of course it did. I, I, I just wanted to feel this way all the time. And I got out of control all the time. I, and and I, I, do, I do directly th- think that was because of how I was raised. I, I'm not, I've always been a crazy, wild person, and I think that I would still have been crazy and wild regardless. But I don't think that... I, I think that if I were to have been taught how to handle alcohol properly from my mother, who did... My dad never drank. He just never did. I've seen him have two beers my whole life. And they were both at Texas Rangers games. But my mother, she knows her way around a box of wine. She she can she can put some away, and I, like it just seemed like it was a good opportunity, even if she was struggling herself, mm-hmm. to really kind of take us under her wing and say, "Okay, here are my mistakes, mm-hmm. this and is I what, want you to learn from them." This is what struggle looks like. Yes, but but that's not how especially also, my mother that's also not, in that in that time frame though that's not what people like that's not how people did it that's not how people viewed struggles it was right. still something that you right. that you hid from your children or your family so that they didn't see it and learn that from you yeah i know but i i just think it just ended up messing i i think it messed me up more than anything like i, I my sister's fine my brother's fine like yeah. they like so obviously my mother did something right with them so and I also have to accept the responsibility on myself for being irresponsible the whole time and yeah and 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 I do I'm not sitting here trying to say it's all my it's all my all, parents' all, fault all, all you're saying is that it set you up poorly yes it did poorly and then so then whenever I got to the navy uh, I would just constantly just do these terrible things and. It was fine because everyone just kind of looked at me and was just like, oh, that's Massey. Like, just let him do his thing. And there was one time that the chief of my division came out and said, hey, guys, don't go out and get don't go out and get fucked up tonight because we have to be at the gun range at five in the morning. So don't go out drinking tonight. And then we were all standing at general quarters and so we're all standing in rows and everyone just turns their head and looks at me and I go what and what did I do I went out and I swear to Christ I went out I got hammered drunk and I didn't show up to the gun range until noon Ooh, you know how much trouble I got in for it zero 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 yeah the only thing I had to do is I had to stay late I just say everyone else got to go home at five or whatever it was, but I, and I had to stay until about 10 o'clock, but nope, didn't get in trouble. So, but it's, it, it's stuff like that, that people would just kind of like look at me and assume that you're going to be the one that fucks this up. And so of course I'm going to go out and fuck it up. Like if you, if you, if you put that you already, label on You already me, think that. So why would I try so hard to not? Yeah. So that like stuff yeah. like that didn't help either. 
Um, and then it just, once I got, I, I view my time in the Navy as just partying. That's all it was. Like that was college for me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, most people get out of that phase super fast. I didn't. And as soon as I got out of the Navy, I came home, you're 22 years old and it's still okay for you to be wild and out of control. But then once you start becoming 26, 27 years old, people are looking at you kind of like, you're that guy that still wears his Letterman jacket. And he, you're, like, you're trying to hold on to that youth that's not there anymore. And I don't think it was that, but I think that it's, it's then that I became not dependent, but I think that not like dependent as in like addicted to it, but I became dependent on not feeling things. You started to abuse it. Of course I did. Of course. I started to really abuse it, and then it led me down this dark hole where I started uh, not just experimenting with drugs, but using them consistently. Just as much as I uh, just as much as much I drank, that's how much I did cocaine or smoked crack, or uh, I did heroin once. And uh, I remember whenever that happened, it's because I did too much cocaine, and some guy... Uh, comes out of the bathroom and I look at him and I, I don't know who this guy is. I look at him. I'm like, dude, I don't feel good. I did way too much blow. And he goes, Oh, I got something for you. So he comes, he goes back into the bathroom, comes back out with a thing of black tar. So good thing. It was like the lowest quality of heroin that there is out there. But even still, uh, he, sh- he shot me up in my foot because I didn't want to have uh, track marks. And I, re- whenever I, it, whenever I felt the warmth mm-hmm. and, I I felt the good and the nirvana and everything that came with it. I remember thinking, I don't deserve to feel this good. Really? Like that's how like that's how awesome it felt. I I stepped outside of myself. Uh, I know you haven't seen it, but the scene where Jesse in Breaking Bad does heroin and it shows him floating up off the bed, or it looks like he's floating up off the bed. Like that is perfect like that's exactly what it feels like and i just it it was so funny because i would always do drugs and drink so that way i would i wouldn't feel bad Mm -hmm. but then as soon as i found something that made me feel good i didn't know what to do with it so my self-hatred you didn't kept me from from, probably going down that rabbit hole so i mean at least i got that going for me (laughs) so i didn't yeah that's i wouldn't i I never told you that no 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 we we haven't talked a whole lot about that. Oh part yeah, of that uh, the extent of of uh, you doing drugs. Oh yeah, it yeah it got it got real bad there, and it took. There was one moment where I was because it that wasn't even my wake up call, like it just wasn't. It just yeah. You'd think most people would have had their wake up call before heroin. Yeah, and that, no, no, and, I'm telling you, and once, that wasn't even it. And see, the heroin was just a means to an end, though, because my drug of choice was always cocaine. Yeah, I would do a lot of cocaine, and the I would probably do more coke than I would drink. It just that was just my thing. I love uppers. Like you give me, you know what? I actually like Adderall better than cocaine. Like if you take Adderall, you get like a thirty uh, a thirty gram Adderall. You you uh. You chop it up into powder and you snort it. Oh my god! Like it's it's I I feel like whatever it did in my brain, it was so much better than what cocaine did in my brain. And the come down isn't as hard. So I don't know, but uh, not we're not condoning using Adderall in that fashion. Just so you know, 
We're not. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm no, not trying. No, not, no, no, no. But I'm not saying, trying to explain. No, oh, this is how you make Adderall better. No, be careful. Just, just be, don't don't do them. People in general. Well, Adderall can be a good thing. It can be used. good. It can be good, but it's also. Adderall is pretty much just speed, especially yeah, once you get to those high 30 milligram yeah, ones. Yeah. It's it, it can be good, but it's also very dangerous because long term giving ADD kids Adderall is uh, you're going to have even though you might not have an actual drug addiction. But if you're on Adderall, you know, every day for six years, it, you're going to ha- you start having some of the same symptoms or ticks as somebody who did speed every day for six years. Not, it depends not to on the same, no, it's not, not to, to the, the same, same extent. extent. Not to the same extent. Most doctors, but I'm real fidgety, and I was, I did, I was on Adderall, but I was prescribed it. I didn't like, you know, abuse it or whatever. Oh, but I was prescribed I, it. I, I was too. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, I'm, I, I never abused it per se, but I still, I'm real fidgety, and and I can't sit still. And people, people would say, well, it's because you're ADHD. Nah, it's a different thing. Like well, I will, I, if I don't have anything to do with my hands, I will start chewing the inside of my mouth. See, I'm not that bad because Adderall, the first time I ever took Adderall, I w- it was right before a big test and I was sitting at a, uh, I was sitting at an IHOP outside of the University of North Texas and I was doing some studying and I was eating some breakfast and I took the Adderall and I put it in my mouth and whenever I swallowed it, I was just sitting there doing my thing and then it hit me like a wave and this was this was only i think this was only a 15 milligram one but it just it just it was like someone poured a bucket of water on me and it just it just flew down me all the way down into my feet and i just sat back and it really did feel like i could taste colors and i know that that sounds so ridiculous but that's how much i love uppers like it just it puts me in such a way that i just feel like i'm just one with everything it just yeah. and i know that that sounds super hippie whatever but i do lsd so it's just i like still i will still do lsd to this day we'll get to that in a second but it, it like it really does help and it really felt like it gave me a sense of purpose mm-hmm. i i can't explain why i just can't i think it only i think it's only because it made me feel good yeah, and I'm not used to ever feeling good because I was raised my whole life thinking that I was this fuck up. I had babysitters that used to lock me in closets, and uh, it, it, and and I thought I was so naive at that time is because I used to get in trouble on purpose, and then they would take me and they would they would lock me in rooms, lock me in closets forever, and I used to always think that that's just how affection was. So whenever the only attention I ever got most of the time. And I don't think there's anyone that knows me that would say any otherwise, but the only attention that I ever got from anyone was negative attention. I was always, I was a C minus student at best. So of course that means that I'm dumb and my mom has to tell me that I'm smarter than this. Even though I know I am, I just can't fucking do school. Uh, But that does not make me stupid. But Back then, my mom was very... She's got two master's degrees from Auburn University. So my mother is very good at schooling. Mm-hmm. and um, Very educated. Very educated. And she works... <sighs> she has worked in schools forever. And she's like the dean of student admissions at a private school in Las Colinas right now. So my mother knows her stuff whenever it comes to the education system. And it was very important to her that we did well in school. And I just couldn't. So there was that. I was always wild and out of control. You know, at our church, people mm-hmm. would always uh-huh. talk about... I'll never forget the time that um, the middle school 
minister and the high school minister were they they were they were always in communication with each other, especially about they were they were friends. They yeah. were really good friends. Oh, were they? Okay, yeah. I didn't know that yeah. either. Okay, yeah. but oh, I'm sorry, we're not using names. Uh, but well, now they know that's the name. I know. I'm sorry. Do you want to edit that? <laughs> I'll I'll see if I can fi- figure out a way to put a beep in. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So the middle school youth minister warned the high school minister about me. Mm-hmm. And there was it was the first camp that we went to or whatever. And I left my bag at like, like my first high school camp. I left my bag at the camp. I don't know how I leave my bag. <laughs> Maybe I was an idiot. I don't know. But I left my bag and I'm sitting in the office and I'm talking to the high school minister about it. And the middle school minister walks in and he goes, what'd Cameron do? Like he left his bag at camp, puts his hand on my shoulder and he looks at, he looks at him and he goes, this guy's your problem now and leaves the office. And like, like I always got told stuff like that. And it, you could tell he yeah. was not fucking with me either. He was very sincere, not sincere, but you could tell that he, he was joking, but not really. He's. I, yeah, I, I guarantee I th- you. I, I think he. I think he meant it, but I don't think he meant it in a malicious way. Yeah, I don't think so. But I mean, yeah. but, but see, but I've just I've I've heard stuff like that about me my whole life. Like, it's, yeah. There was one time where my mother sat me down, and I was like, I was like seven or eight or something like that. I was super young, and my mom. I, I think I lied to her or something about like a lighter that I had in my pocket or something, and. She comes up to me and t- takes my baby picture and shoves it in my face and goes, you see that sweet boy? What happened to my sweet, innocent boy? And looking back on that, that's so fucked up to say to a seven-year-old. Because we don't know. All I know is that now my mom is not happy with me anymore, and now that means she probably doesn't love me anymore. So mm-hmm. what's, what's, the, what's the point? And I, you can't process that as a kid. And just it, I could go on and on and on telling stories about stuff like that. But it wasn't until like, I never really got my shit together. I stopped doing the thing that made me stop doing the big drugs was I was at a party one time with the Ku Klux Klan. I did not know that they were, it was, it wasn't like the sheets and the burn in the cross or whatever, but they were Klan members. So you know who I was, you know who I I was with. with. Yeah. And and that's okay. First of all, I just want to take a uh, quick pause and step in here and say neither one of us agree with those viewpoints, and neither one of us want anything to do with that. No, I know, and so that's that's where I'm going with this. Is that and even back then, that was even still whenever I was like very Republican and no, I think I was Libertarian then. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, but I was I was not about that lifestyle, and it wasn't until I heard that they were clan members and I was smoking crack with them. And that's whenever I really was like, I need to, I need to get some stuff together here. And so, see, I didn't know that either. I started going to, I started going to, I started trying to take school more seriously Mm -hmm. uh, because working out is my thing. I don't do many things well, but the things I do well, I am phenomenal at them. And working out has always just been in, like, in my head and in my in my heart. And I just have never been able to explain why. But I, I went to college for kinesiology, and mm-hmm. 
whenever it came time to take my final finals, I end up getting a DWI. And I'm trying to balance all that, the court costs, the probation costs, the urinalysis tests, everything. Working at Cabela's, getting paid minimum wage and only working 24 hours a week. So I couldn't. Right. So I took that as an excuse to stop going to college. And I really, really dove into the alcohol at this point because the, um, the, the thing was, is after I got my DWI, I kept it from people for a long time. There were, there was, there were a lot of people that didn't know, but then there was one night it was, I hadn't even had my first court date yet. And I was hanging out with a friend and got way too drunk, drove, and I had my cruise control on and I fell asleep at the wheel. And I went through an intersection and T-boned this guy going 50 miles an hour. And if that car was not there, I would have gone into a bank that was right. And this was, it was around, it was about seven in the morning at this point. So there were probably employees there getting ready to work. So I, who knows, thank, I know that this is weird, but thank God I T-boned that guy. And, yeah. um, yeah, but I, it, it wasn't until then that the cat came out of the bag because, and, and the craziest thing was, is my adrenaline kicked in and I was sober, like completely sober past the field sobriety test that the cops were trying to make me, uh, that the cops made me take, which is stupid. They, you, they can't make you do that, but I didn't know. And it wasn't until I got in my dad's truck cause he came and got me that the drunkenness set back in and I'm just sitting in his car just being like, Oh, they're, they're, they're going to come and arrest me. I'm going to get a second DWI and blah, blah, blah. And that's whenever my dad was like a second, a second. one. What are you talking about? So Ooh, I didn't know that's when he found out that he was the first one to find out. And that was how, because my drunken ass told him. And so my dad takes me over to my brother-in-law's and my sister's house and I slip, I sleep there because he didn't want me to wake up alone. And, yeah. and thankfully he like, it was a good thing that he didn't, but I mean, it, there was nothing that my sister or brother-in-law could say to make it better, but just them being there made it better. Yeah. It just, yeah. Cause I didn't say anything. I woke up that's, and went, that's intuitive right there. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. 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 So that, yeah, that was awesome. Um, but I, once again, it was just like that time in the Navy. I didn't get in trouble for it, but I had my family constantly telling me and my friends all constantly telling me, well, we saw this coming. We kind of saw this coming. And I remember thinking that it would be nice if you guys would be disappointed in me if I did, if I do something wrong. It would be nice if y'all would be like, where did we go? uh, Where, where did it all go wrong? Like, how did, how did, how did things get this bad? Nope. Yeah. It would be be nice if, if, uh, you told somebody and they were like, what? Wow. But that's not, I don't, I don't even remember if that was my reaction. I don't remember what your reaction was. I don't remember. I don't know, but I, I honestly, honestly at that point though, like I was, I, I don't know if I told you this, but the reason why we were still friends was because we had been friends for so long. 
Like if I had met you at that point, we wouldn't have been friends. Oh, dude, there's no way. And I have, and I tell all my, I tell all my Navy friends that too, because my Navy friends are closer to me than family, and I constantly have to tell them like I don't know why y'all were friends with me back then. I was a terrible person, and then they are all like, we were all terrible people. What the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, okay, you got me there. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was that was that was the darkest. I wasn't. I was still doing drugs, but I wasn't doing them like I was. But uh-huh. I once I stopped doing the drugs, that's whenever I really turned to the booze. And I had to end up leaving Cabela's and go work for the hotel mm-hmm. because they paid a lot better. And I was able to get my court fees paid off and all this stuff. But that job really took advantage of me because I they promoted me to supervisor and it was constantly a battle between me and upper management and me and the subordinates. That's that's such a terrible but the people that were the people that were the people that you were supervising. That I was supervising, thank you. Um, supervisees. Yes. We can go with that. Um but yeah they they all kind of took advantage of me because they knew that no matter what happened, I would always be the fallback guy. Yeah. And they, they knew that I would do that. So if something went wrong with management, nah, it was Cameron's fault. If one of the, if one of the CSAs messed up, then nope, it's Cameron's fault because he didn't check their work. And, and I fit in that role like a glove because that, that my life had set me up for that whole thing. And they were, they were really good about giving me just enough encouragement, but not too much encouragement to where I think that I could get out of where I was. Mm -hmm. So it it was, it was just, it was just a perfect storm for them and uh, for the, for management, for the CSAs. It was not for me, but I didn't know because this was just my whole life. So what did I do? I just started drinking a bunch and I would, I would go home I, it, somehow, some way, I would still manage to keep working out through all this. But I would, I would go work out after work, and then I'd go home and I'd drink until about ten a.m., go to sleep, and then have to wake up and be at work at five p.m. Then work five p.m. to five a.m. Most days, uh, most of my uh, work weeks were seven. I would work twenty-one days in a row, take a day off, and then work twenty-one days in a row again. And that's not the job's fault. That's I, I asked them to do that for me. And, um, so, so I'm not mad about that, but the pay was great. Uh, but I just mentally, it did not, it was not getting me where I needed to go. And there was, there was one night where I was talking to a buddy of mine and we, he was a, he was another supervisor and we were sitting there talking about like how cutthroat our assistant managers are and they were they were we were kind of starting to see what was going on here and so we were trying to push back a little and then they were just they were cutting our legs out from under us just as soon as they could so we felt like that we were getting shafted me especially because i'd been doing this job for four years you know and uh and so it was I figured that my opinion would mean something, but if I were to give a good idea, they would just instantly, they would either say it wasn't a good idea or they would take it and put it off on, like take it as their own idea, just so that way 
as long as I still... They could still blame the mistakes on you to their boss. Yeah, of course. And it, there were there were so many instances where that happened. And just once again, like, that's just... That's how corporate works, and that's just not how my brain is wired. If that's, yeah. if that's how you do things like if you can do the corporate where uh quite frankly play the politics yeah play the politics you backstab uh then 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 that's that's you and you have to do that in those positions to get ahead like it's just the way that it is and if you can do it and you're good at it then that's your thing keep doing it i just i can't and don't hire people like me to do that job because we just get way too involved emotionally and we don't know how to separate it. And there was one night where a buddy of mine and I were texting about it and he was saying, it can't be like this everywhere. But the way my brain worked is it's like this everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere is backstabbing and everywhere is, 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 going around your back and trying to make you look bad as opposed to making the team look good. And that was the first time ever that I legitimately thought about killing myself just because if that, if that's life, then I, why would I stay here? Cause I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So I went downstairs and got my gun out of my car and I put it on the coffee table and I just kind of just let it sit there and I just looked at it. And I obviously I didn't do it because I'm here, but I like I didn't even pick up the gun and like put it in my mouth or anything. It just kind of just sat there and I just kind of just played around with the idea. And it took a little bit. I It took a moment where I pretty much told the director of HR, my assistant, um, my assistant, uh, manager menager yes and then my direct manager the uh no director i'm sorry my my the director of hr my assistant director excuse me and then my direct manager i pretty much had to tell them to fuck off and the way that i did it i did it in such a way that the director of hr just looked at me and went well how about this instead of you putting in your two week notice how about you just leave now and I'll pay you a severance package? And so so the way that I said it, it wasn't fuck off, but it was good enough for them to kind of say, okay, we hear what you're saying, we get it, just go, and it'll be fine. I tried to stay, they wouldn't let me stay, so what can you do? But that was like that first time in my life where I stood up for myself, mm-hmm. and I came out on the other side, and I'm like, oh, I'm still here. I'm intact. Whoa, I can't believe that I like I can do that. Like it took it took 30 years for me to, to for me to realize that. And that's that's about 25 years too long, you know? Like it's it just my whole life was just set up for me to just be this fuck up. And if you if people are told that, if you are raised that way, then you are going to become a fuck up. Like it's you, you, you get dealt this shitty hand, and it's it's hard for people to really get past that, especially whenever you're told that stuff as a child, because mm-hmm. you don't, you have no idea what what world is coming towards you. You never know what kind of world is coming towards you, but you do know how to handle bad situations now as you're older. And just whenever I'm a kid, I can't, and I just always think that everything is bad. Mm-hmm. So it. That was like that first big moment 
The second big moment was getting a new job. And I, I will say this job's name because this is, I have nothing but the utmost respect for this job. As soon as they open one here, that's where I'm going. Trader Joe's. There's a, those people really, really love their employees and mm-hmm. they let you know it every day. My second day there, we, we, we get trucks every day. And my second day there, I grab a pallet jack because I've worked manual labor before and I know how to use a pallet jack. And I start jacking it. I start jacking up the pallets and start moving around the thing. And one of my managers looks at me and goes, "Uh Oh, new guy, second day moving pallets. I remember thinking, if that's enough to get compliments, this job's going to be cake. And as it kind of went, I understood what people saw. or I, I understood that people were starting to see me as this amazing, not worker, but person. There's, there, it was all over the place at Trader Joe's. I got so much positive encouragement that I had no idea that I needed yeah, because because I mean, I, my whole life I was raised like, yeah, you don't be a pussy, you know, you don't need to, you don't need a thank you or whatever. You're doing your job and it's that whatever. But you know what? It's just like it feels good whenever someone says, "Hey, like you're a good dude, you you just are, man." Mm-hmm. And so that leads me to the next step, which I am going to say this program's name as well. But I did something that I would have never done if it was not for Trader Joe's, because. There's this nonprofit organization out there called FitOps, and what they do is is they help veterans who have struggled with substance abuse to get certified as personal trainers. And the way that they do it is it's not it's not online. You don't show up and take you don't get material, study and take a test and then go. This organization pays for everything: your flight, your lodging, your food. Uh, the guest speakers that come here, and some of the guest speakers are very famous people. You know, John Cena comes to these things. And I would have never thought that something like that would ever accept me because they have a wait list yeah. of 1,400 people. Yeah. And they get 1,400 applications daily from what they from what they say. They get so many, maybe not daily, but they get they get. 1400 applications consistently Mm -hmm. and so i remember thinking fuck it why not like why would who else would be better for this i might be the best person suited for this veteran personal trainer substance abuse like that it it might as well say does your name start with cameron and does it end with massey you know it's just it's perfect because like, this is my dream. This mm-hmm. was it. This is kind of like my second chance because I fucked up college. And, and this is kind of like my second crack at it. Yeah. Me, even six months before that time, would have been like, nope, not going to do it. There's no way they're going to accept me. And it took me days to fill out that application. You had to do, you had to write essays. You had to do short answer questions. You had to send a resume. You had to take a picture, like a, like a, like a professionally done picture. And it took a long time to do it. And I submitted it and I wake up one morning and I'm still working the night shift at Trader Joe's. So I'm sleeping throughout the day. And whenever I wake up, I get an email on my phone and I scroll down and it just says, welcome to the FitOps family. And I just 
threw my phone down, laying in bed still, and I just put my hands over my head, and I just yelled out, yes! And uh, my roommate heard me all the way across, because you know how that apartment was set up. My roommate heard me across the living space, and he comes running into my bedroom, opens the door, and he goes, dude, are you all right? I'm like, man, I'm better than all right. Like, And I'm just getting chills just thinking about this. And I know that this sounds like this story is going to have a happy ending. It does, but... We'll get there. Uh, I go to FitOps, and it is nothing like they said it was going to be. And I think that they had to do that. They were like boot camp style workouts and getting up at 5 a.m. every day and going for runs and doing squats with John Cena and all this stuff. I'm like, fuck, dude, for free? Of course. We get there, and night one, Take your time if you need to. We get there on night one, and there are two guys that get up front and they speak. And one of them, his name is Bobby Summers, and it's it's okay that I use his name in this one too. Uh, go follow his Instagram. He he is just one of the best people that you will ever meet. And so, it, Bobby's story is. It is FitOps, and it's it's the main thing that people go to whenever you want to point at FitOps. It's like, oh, Bobby's story. So it, it, at very least, go go, go find check his, his go story. check out his story because it, it it like it's going to destroy you in a good way, in a in a good and a bad way. You're gonna hear his story, and it's just like, oh my god, like how are you still here? But anyway, that's 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 Bobby's story. But he gets up there and he tell he doesn't tell his story. What he does is, is he gets up and he looks at all of us because we're all sitting in this U-shaped desk and there's about 35 of us there. Mm-hmm. Not everyone made it to the end of camp, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, there's a, he gets up there and he goes, hey, you all know my story. I'm going to tell you something that no one else is going to know. And of course, I'm not going to say it here. Yeah. But as soon as he said what he needed to say, it was just... It was the most incredible thing. And then the big one was this guy who got up there. I'm not going to say his name, but he gets up there and he, both of these guys are former fit ops members. Yeah. Like they, they, they went through the camp. Yeah. Campers. They're CVFOs. Okay. Chief veteran fitness officers. Okay. That's what, yeah. So anyway, uh, this guy gets up there and he tells his story but he tells my story, you know, it, like mm-hmm. it's, he's, he's, he's talking to me and it's, it's almost like you always get told that you never go through things alone. Yeah. But you never believe it. You never believe it. You always feel like that no one else will ever understand Mm-hmm. your struggles because your struggles are your struggles and no one else has gone through what I've gone through. So they won't ever relate. They'll mm-hmm. never understand. Mm-hmm. Whenever I hear this guy's story, one thing that he did say that I will repeat is he gets to the part where he talks about whenever he wants where he's going to kill himself and he's like standing on the bridge ledge looking down. And he said, this is the, this is the one that, changed me forever but he goes when you decide to die 
that's not the day that you died because you've been dying a little every day of your life up until that point. It's just whenever you get to the point where you're ready to admit that you can't fight anymore, it's 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 just constantly a build to that moment. It's never it's it's never like okay, here's the day I decide to die. No, you've been dying every day. Mm-hmm. And I I just as soon as he said that, I, night one, I don't know any of these people, none of them, and I just put my head in my hands and. I sob like I have never sobbed before in my life because my whole life I was told never cry. You don't cry. Don't let them see you hurt. And I didn't care. And I'm mm-hmm. just sitting there just sobbing into my hands while he's telling his story because it's finally like someone gets it. And as soon as he gets done with his story, we all get up and we we go and hug him. And I, I get up. And I've stopped crying at this point, but it's as soon as he and I make eye, like as soon as we make eye contact, it's almost like he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows that I know mm-hmm. that he knows, and it, he just grabbed me and just pulled me in close and like put his hand on the back of my neck and was just holding me. And he had to have been holding me up because I couldn't feel anything from the neck down. But I just started just sobbing into his shoulder again, and uh, he's just sitting there just whispering in my ear. He's just telling me that he loves me and that um, he's always here if I need anything. And we exchange numbers and all that. I haven't we've we've like exchanged some Instagram stuff, but we haven't like really talked about things. So I guess I probably should have called him the other night, but we'll get there. And so that's that is more mental strain than I have ever had to deal with in my whole life. And this was once again, night one. Yeah. And the whole camp was like this. There would be, there would be nights where people would get in front of, like you would get in front of the, the class and you would share your story. Yeah. And there were some stories that were deeply moving. And then there were some that you could tell people were just trying to one up one another. But I just remember sitting there thinking, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. I've never really, it's, I didn't know what I would say because I've always been very open right? with my drug problems and my drinking and all that. Like I, the, like the copious amounts of women, amounts of women that I have slept with just another numbing mechanism, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't know what I'm going to say, but it was February 29th, 2020 was the day that I signed up to do it because that day will always stand out to me because it only comes around once every four years. Yeah. And as the night is kind of progressing, or as the camp is progressing, I'm sitting there thinking, why am I not scared to do this? What's something that I am afraid to say out loud? Mm-hmm. And... There was, it was the night before I was scheduled to do my talk and I was in the shower and I was just thinking about it and just like, what can I say? What can I say? And then it just pops into my head. I could talk about this. And instantly my stomach went nuts and my brain goes, Mm-mm, no, you can't talk about that. But I instantly put that away. I was like, no, that's the one that I need to talk about. Yeah. And so my performance talk comes up and I get in front of everyone and I tell them, 
that I have been scared shitless to do this over the last 24 hours because there are some things that I'm going to open up about that pretty much society has deemed unworthy of talking about. Like, even if it was in your Un- past. Unredeemable. Just, yeah, yeah, unredeemable. I'm sorry, yeah, unredeemable. And and then I go, I was like, well, but before we do this, let's go ahead and get to the fun part, I guess. So we, we're going around, and I'm going around, and I'm just telling my story, you know, about my childhood, and I told some Navy stories, and uh, I went up to, oh, and I forgot to, t- I forgot to say this. Uh, I went up to one of the guys at the camp and I go, Hey, can you do me a favor? I don't want to talk forever. So will you kind of like give me a signal or whatever, whenever I'm at 30 minutes and he goes, man, I'll do it. But this time is not for everyone else and their comfortability. This is for you. Mm-hmm. And if I give you this signal and you feel like that you have to cut short what you have to say, and whatever's in there, and he poked me in the chest real hard, real hard. Whatever's in there, then we have failed you. I'm like, fuck, okay. He goes, but I'll still give you the signal. I was like, all right, thanks. So I'm telling my story, telling my story. And whenever I get to the very end, as soon as I talk about like what led me to fit ops and all that, and then there I was, mm-hmm. I started to open up about a lot of other things. And one of them is, growing up in Texas, you were obviously raised to think differently of people based on their skin color, and not in a good way. It's I don't think that's necessarily that's, pervasive in Texas, but it is. It's prevalent. Yes, but I, I don't think it's, it's not as bad as like yeah. it's not as bad as some other places. But Texas is still up there. You you still you still hear a lot yeah. of horror stories. Yeah. They've got Confederate monuments, so. Uh, but anyway, so where I was sitting in the U shape, it was me and I was surrounded by three black guys and they were the most kind, helpful. And of course I've put the racism thing behind me at this point. So it wasn't like I went into fit ops, a racist and left, not a racist. Mm -hmm. I was already past it. Uh, I, I, it wasn't an internal struggle anymore, but it was for a long time for me. And I had to really wake up to kind of get past it, but that would, that days was past it. But anyway, I'm, I'm surrounded by three black guys and just funny and nice. And one of them even points out to me that I suffer from anxiety. He gives me an example of something I just said. And he goes, dude, that's anxiety. And I can sit back and I just like, fuck, like I never thought about that. Yeah. So like, obviously these guys are just the best guys at camp. And so I'm getting up there and I'm talking and I'm, I'm talking about like all of the racist stuff that I used to do. It was it. The main one was smoking with the clan, you know, smoking, smoking crack with the clan just because those were the only people at that point in my life that would accept me. Mm-hmm. And. Whenever I decided to get clean. From the drugs. That's whenever all of those friends that I thought I had faded, faded, gone. Like they like they almost didn't understand. And that made me realize that I was just a paycheck to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like whenever you quit drinking, you find out that a drinking buddy is not the same thing as a friend. You know, it's the same thing with your drug buddies, too. Duh. But I just don't know. I, I just where I was. But anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm ta- I'm tall. I'm I'm talking about all this stuff. And then I, I look up at everyone and I go. Guys, I don't want any of you to take this personally, but the three best guys that are at this camp are sitting over there in that corner. And I pointed over at those guys, and uh, I looked at them, and I was like, I know that I have never, ever affected you personally with racism, but I know that I have, 
to other people, and I know that you have in your past as well. Had felt it. That, yeah, you have, you, have, you have felt it before from someone like me, and I want you to know that not everyone stays that way, and I want you to know that I am sorry. And then I turned. I just looked at all the black guys at the th- and and even one of the one of the instructors was a black guy, and that that was I, that was the hardest one. That was the hardest one because I had to turn around and I had to look at him. Like I had to go out of my way to look at him, and it just it was hard. And I turned around, and looked at him, and I was sorry. And then I opened up also about my history with women, and the big thing was is that my mother was my hero. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was real young, mm-hmm. my dad wasn't around a whole bunch. And so she had to pretty much raise me, my sister and my brother on her own. And I, that's something that as a child, like you see that instantly and that's, it's, it's, it's revered. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was one night where my mother, she started dating this guy and he would call constantly and they would talk on the phone in the middle of the night and I never slept. I, I still don't sleep. There was one night whenever I woke up and I heard my mom crying. So I get up off of my bunk bed and I go downstairs and our kitchen had two entrances to it. And one of the entrances had this little step down and my mom was sitting on it facing away from me because I'm standing in the other one and she's on the phone. She's on the phone just sobbing into it, just saying, please stop talking to me like this. I don't deserve to be told stuff like this. I know you're better than this and you don't have to treat me like whatever, whatever. And looking back on it, I wish I would have just went up to the phone, took it from my mom and just said, you can't talk to my mom like that. Bang and hang up. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, you don't know what to do, and so I'm st- and I'm talking like five. This is one of my first memories ever, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting there watching this, and this woman that I have just grown to respect and adore and admire has been beaten down to this nothing, this shriveling, crying little, pathetic not standing up for herself kind of person. And this was not her fault. I'm not trying to say that yeah. she was weak. No, you know, no. but as a kid, this is what you see. And I knew who she mm-hmm. was talking to. So instantly I go, well, if my mom can be beaten down by someone like this, then that's what I need to be like. And for anyone that's listening that has kids or wants kids, parents are always so, they're so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You need to understand that your kids know what, what's going on around you. You're, you. You might think that they don't, but they know probably more than you do. They don't know what it is they're seeing, but they understand what it is. Kids are, kids are extremely intuitive. They are, and do not think otherwise. Do not think that you're pulling the wool over your children's eyes because you're not, and something like that is enough to change your child's life forever. So you need to, I know that this is so hard, but as parents, you always have to set that positive example for them. You, I, and I know that you're just as human as the rest of us, and it's, it's, it's hard to do that, but if you're bringing in another life into this world, then you have 
accepted that responsibility and you need to own up to it and you need to understand that these kids are depending on you to grow up and be functioning adults in society. And whenever they, if they see stuff like that, then it's going to change them forever. Do not let yourself get in that situation is really the first thing that I need to say. And it's, it's a lot easier now. I'm sure back in the early 90s, my mom didn't have those options. And my mom was also raised not well either. Right. She was raised to be this, she was raised to be the woman is -hmm. what it was. Mm -hmm. And that's so fucked up. And that's all she was doing. So once again, that's not her fault. And I'm not, I went off on a tangent there, but you should have heard the tangent I did at FitOps. Like it was, it was, it was 10 times worse. And uh, just please parents, just be, be more aware of what's going on. It doesn't matter what time it is. Someone's always watching. Mm-hmm. Just please keep that in mind because kids know they know. And so after I opened up about everything, everyone else got up and came and hugged me like they did that other guy. And th- that was something that we did for everyone. It wasn't like mm-hmm. me and him were the only ones that got hugs, yeah. but there, I had so many people come up to me and say, that does not define who you are. Mm-hmm. And don't let it. And one of the one of the black guys that was over there in the corner came over and he hugged me and he was just he just opened up about a whole lot of things just in my ear between him and me and some of the things that he said to me it's just it's just perfect and FedOps is good it's good stuff and um, that was like the first time in my life that someone because. Because Trader Joe's didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. The FitOps people didn't know about it until I told them. Mm-hmm. So they only had what was in front of them. Yeah. They had the clean Cameron. Yeah. They had the Cameron that, that, that no one else was giving a chance. Cameron was trying to make changes. No one else would let him. Mm-hmm. The, the world around me was not letting me. And so what did I need to do? I needed to make a change. It was just the universe that made the change for me whenever I got fired from the hotel job and went worked at Trader Joe's and not everyone, not everyone gets that lucky. Yeah. So if you're in a situation like that, please, for the love of God, make the change. Mm -hmm. Even if it's working at a grocery store, I know that that sounds so demeaning, but it could change everything because it did for me. And so now I've got all these people that are around me just telling me that that life is not me. And what I'm doing with my life now is me. This is you. Go forward and do what you need to do. Yeah. And FitOps loved what I wanted to do with my life so much. I'm not going to get into that. That can be a different podcast. But they loved my idea for the gym that I wanted to open, that they chose me as an honor graduate and gifted me a $5,000 gym set. Like, that, just me. They gave that to like out of everyone in that camp. They they heard my idea. I, I it was so funny because I'm sitting there and we're doing these awards and we're it's it's outside in Arkansas in at the beginning of March and it's cold as fuck and we're all sitting there just at this outside amphitheater just shivering and they get to the gym award because we didn't even know this was coming until he comes up and says hey look at what we're gonna give someone and I'm sitting there listening to it going like no way. No way. Who are they going to pick? There's no way. And he says my name, and everyone at that camp erupted. It was like I was the only one that was thinking, no way. Everyone else was going, if they, give, if they don't give it to Cameron, we're going to give it to Cameron. So it, like, 
I was I had the admiration of those people that I only knew for three weeks, and they saw what I can do. They saw who I really am, mm-hmm. and they they accepted that and they embraced it, even though I had this horrible checkered past, and. You can't like I swear to Christ. I wish that that was something that you could bottle and sell, because mm-hmm. you can't duplicate that. It does not matter what happens in your life. Like just once you receive the admiration for people that you love, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah. And I I never really got that ever. Mm-hmm. I never ever really did. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny they got me on video, and I, you just see me lean back and go, "What the fuck?" Like I just could not believe. And so it's just. Fit ops, man. It's good. It's good times. Good people. <clears throat> so, one last thing, and then I'll get you into your questions. No, 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 dude. This this is all, all for you, man. One one other thing that did help the most, even more than fit ops, even more than Trader Joe's, all of my relationships together do not add up to a year and a half. Like if you just take all my relationships and just add up that time i just i just have not dated people never been my thing i've never wanted to do it all i wanted to do was have sex and like that's just all that it was and i did and that's i'm not saying that to be braggadocious either that got bad and um i met someone at trader joe's who leaving her story out of it um she and I were going through a lot of the same struggles. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just kind of say that much. That's all I'll say. Uh, but but we used to hang out outside of Trader Joe's for hours, talking about life and love and everything, and nothing was going on between us. Um, she was involved with someone. That's all. That's the last thing I'll say about it. That's, that's why it it only just was talking between us. I did not have any intention. Of course I, cause even before any of that happened, I told you about her. Mm -hmm. So I was always attracted to her, but I, I, I knew like, no, she's, she is involved with someone. I can't get in the middle of that, but there was something that drew us together and we kind of something clicked. Yeah, it just was. And we would just sit there and we would just be, talking about everything and for the first time in my life i actually opened up about a lot of things because i didn't even dive into my stepdad Mm -hmm. we didn't even dive into that and i opened up to her about that and (laughs) i uh i started crying in front of her and uh i wiped the tear not like sobbing not like (laughs) not like at fit ups not not that kind of crying Mm -hmm. but um but but a tear started to come down and i wiped it and i went i'm sorry and she just, she went, she went, ew, no, do not apologize for your tears. I knew I could trust her then. Mm-hmm. I knew there was that moment and then there was another moment. That there were two big moments that we had together. One was from me, one was from her that I was just like, there's, like I can trust this woman. One thing ended up leading to another. Nothing happened between us until after her and the person with whom she was involved split. Nothing officially happened between us until after that split happened. But when it did, she had nowhere to go, and she had to move in. She didn't have to, but I offered for her to move in with me. And everything I know now would not change a thing. 
I would not. Really? I, I wouldn't. No. I know for a while there I was saying I would. No. Every, I needed that. Mm-hmm. I never had it. Yeah. We only, we only dated for around three months at the most. But everything that we went through, all the stuff that she helped me get through, because every night at FitOps, I would call her just sobbing. Just because of the the, the, the amazing people yeah. that I was around and the stories that would be told. And we would still work out, but FitOps was not as physically demanding as I thought it was. I lost like 12 pounds after FitOps. Like I still haven't even gotten it all back. But she helped me through all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and she really helped me get on the straight and narrow. She really showed me what it was like to be... A part of society mm-hmm. you know like not this 30 year old party kid not even partying anymore i just drink by myself <laughs> and so with her i never needed the the alcohol i still need the weed because my leg hurts all the time but i didn't need the alcohol as much mm-hmm. and i never had that before and i it was so funny because i didn't realize how much i was unburdening I had no idea. Yeah. So, without saying too much of her story, she's from California. She was also going through some through some mental stuff like I was. Mm-hmm. The problem was is I couldn't be the support system that she needed. I don't know what it was that made me say this to her. Because <laughs> I don't know if I would now. But... Something inside of me said that she needed to go back to California. Excuse me. That she needed to go back to California. She asked me, uh, well, what does that mean for us? It means we're going to break up. And we both held each other and just cried in each other's arms. And for uh, for a good bit before we kind of came to, and we tried to keep the relationship going for a little bit, and it just didn't work. And she moved out. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- it was then whenever I realized, oh, my God, I have unburdened all of this stuff. It's out there now. And now I have to sit in it. But the funny thing was, is I didn't want to numb it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sit in it. So I fucking cried a lot, a lot. Like, I, no liquid in my body. I would cry sand like it was just dust would come out of my eyes you know i'm just picturing sand like boop boop through your one tear duct through your tear duct one thing that bobby summer one thing that bobby summer says that i just love so much is he goes the human body has tear ducts for a reason yeah and you got to use them man and i did and it was so funny because the the thoughts that were going through my head at first was well i'm not getting this anymore I'm not getting this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting this anymore from <laughs> boop beep that. Oh, <laughs> I'm not getting that anymore from her. And, uh, whenever, uh, but see, I like, it was just weird. I can't describe it, but I, I like, I, I was, I was sobbing and I was thinking about these things, but I wanted to. Yeah. And I didn't know why I didn't know why that was. And it's grieving. It, it ended up getting to the point. I, I'd never done it before. Yeah. And it ended up getting to the point where I, I made a few mistakes and I went and saw her, you know, because we still did work together, but I would like, I would go out of my way to be around her and that, that wasn't helping. Right. 
And we've got this buddy, you and I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk to him on the phone. I talk to him on the phone more than you do. But, uh, we, and, um, I didn't, I, oh, I've never talked to him on the phone. Oh, have you not? Oh, I thought you have. No. Oh, well, you should. It's, you said you were going to sign up for it. I didn't. All right. Well, anyway, I, I was talking to, I was talking to him on the phone and it was so funny because I had no intentions on talking to him about any of the emotional stuff. I needed opinions on, because I knew instantly that I needed to get out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know where. Or I didn't know if I needed to stay because I was like running from something or whatever. And he calls, and I answer the phone, and he goes, in his, in his southern accent, he just goes, what's going on, man? And it was like, <laughs> as soon as I heard his voice... It, it was like, it was like, oh God, here it comes. Yeah. And I just started crying again. I didn't even say, hi, sob. You know, no, I just started crying. And I had to let him know that this wasn't like my suicide call or something. So I had to like choke down the tear. I get 30 minutes on the phone with him because he's such a busy dude. I spend the first 10 minutes crying, not saying a word. <laughs> and so I finally get it together and I go, I'm okay, I promise. And he goes, dude, take your time. So he knew, and so instantly, boom, just right back at it again. So I tell him everything, uh-huh. and he goes, dude, this is not you just grieving over her. As long as I have known you, you have always been very open with me, and you have talked to me about how you have never allowed yourself to feel anything, mm-hmm. ever. You mm-hmm. always just try and avoid it. This is not the last three months of your life that you are going through right now. This is the last 31 years of your life that you're going through. Yeah. And you need to embrace that right now. And you don't need to worry about thinking about anything else. Just be in this moment yeah. and, and enjoy it. And it was a combination of that. And then I know I talk a lot of trash about my mom. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to make her sound like an awful woman. She was just a parent that did not know how to parent just like the rest of us, man. And like, she, yeah, she did her best with what she was taught and how yes. she was raised. And she did her best to changed the things that she thought needed to be changed but it wasn't didn't turn out to be exactly what you needed yeah it wasn't i like and we joke all the time that i bet if we would have swapped families we would have probably (laughs) Probably been been better off you know (laughs) like like i needed your parents and you needed mine (laughs) i needed the structure you needed the love i did i did and it's it's so funny to say that but it's but it's not it's not weird to say anymore because no, now yeah. I now I understand what I need. Yeah. So I say that about my mom because I had to go over to her house that same day because I had house sat for her that weekend. So I do still talk to my mother. Yeah. Do not think that it's like no, a yeah, thing yeah. where my mother and I are estranged. I am a good son. And uh, so I get over there. Well, yeah, no, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I said good, not great. Yeah, okay, fine. I'm a mediocre son. You're a C minus. Yeah, that's oh, well, that's fine. That's <laughs> story of my life. Passes. Pass, yeah, you know, C's get degrees and they get you included in wills. So there you go. There we go. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to derail. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. So I get over to my mother's and I get I, I left my watch over there. And so I get my watch and my mom knows me. Yeah, she she knows me. And so she's looking at me and she goes. And, and she knows everything that was going on with the woman that I was dating, and 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 she knows that we split up and all that stuff. Yeah. And and I had I before I went to FitOps, I also opened up to my mother about that night 
that I saw her crying while she was on the phone and about all my drug abuse. So my mom, like she's in the know on yeah. everything that's going on with my life at that point. Yeah. So she looks at me and she goes, what's wrong? I was like, I'm just sad. I'm just sad today. That's all that it is. And, and that's what Toby told me. He was like, mm-hmm. be sad. So I'm like, fine, I'm sad. The word that the word sad is pivotal here. So I tell my mom that and she goes, I get it. I promise I do. I go, thanks. And so I get my watch. And I go, uh, I go to, uh, I go to work, but I get to work early by accident. I didn't even mean to, but mm-hmm. I just did. And so I'm sitting there and I need to be in, be inside in 30 minutes, but I don't look at my, I'm really good at not looking at my phone while I'm driving. I'm really good about that. And so I, as soon as I park, I grab my phone and I got a text message from my mother and my mom is a counselor. She's a certified counselor and she cannot counsel me. Uh-huh. It's, it's code of ethics, you know, like yeah. counselors cannot do that. So my mom texts me and she goes, well, as you know, I'm a counselor and I can't counsel you, but I can say this to you. And what she said changed my life forever. She said, depression is holding on. Sadness is letting go. And everything in my life came together in that one moment. It was almost like the world was there for me in that one moment. Like it was, it was like, this is why mm-hmm. you feel sad. You, you didn't before. You just knew that you needed to. Now you know why. And put my phone down, and thank God I got to work early because I cried for 29 minutes and 30 seconds in that car before I had to get back into, before I had to go get into work. And if I was going to be late, then I was going to be late because yeah. I would put my head on the steering wheel, and I would, I would sob, and I'd sit up, and I'd go, am I done? Mm-mm, not yet, and I'd lean to the right, and I'd cry into my arm, and then I'd try, and I'd lean into the window, and I'd cry into that. Like, seriously, I did not care who was watching or what was said, or how late I was going to be, I knew that I needed that. Yeah. And afterwards, it all kind of made sense in a way. Yeah. And it was at that moment whenever I was really ready to decide where I needed to go. And it was going to be Phoenix, but if I'm being honest, I would have done it for her because she would have gone to California, but she eventually wanted to convince her parents to move to Phoenix. And I was, I would have moved to Phoenix and have been like, maybe, yeah, maybe. And that, that was not the right option. I, I want to open my first gym in Nevada. So that was on the option that was on the docket too, to, to go to Vegas. But mm-hmm. I was on the phone with you that, uh, one afternoon and I pretty much convinced myself that I don't need the distractions anymore that big cities provide. Mm-hmm. For my gym, I have to be around big cities. But right now, while all of this COVID BS is going on and no, the world is kind of at a standstill, this is a perfect time for me to kind of get away from everything uh-huh. and really focus on stuff. And whenever I moved up here to Tennessee, I, uh, I, I moved up here for you is what it was because I needed that support system. Mm-hmm. And because I'd, I'd, I'd never had it before. And once I had it, I didn't want to lose it again. Yeah. So I needed to come out here and at least use probably the last true support system that I ever really have right now and uh, take advantage of it because I don't plan on staying here forever. Right. And uh, whenever I moved up here, it was fine, but I like I, I have not enjoyed living up here. I just haven't. Uh, it's, it's very different 
than what I am used to, and I understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But it's not an uncomfortability thing. What it is is, is I don't like what I'm feeling while I'm up here. Yeah, I don't like it. And it wasn't until Saturday, which I didn't realize this until today, but it was Saturday was birthday was her birthday. Oh, I didn't even realize that. So I don't know if subconsciously I did this or whatever, Yeah. but I, I went to, I went to a bar mm-hmm. after I got off work and there was a woman that was sitting over at the bar and I had met her over at where I worked. And so that's how the conversation kind of got started. And it, there was no intentions on doing anything with her. I wasn't flirting. We were just talking. And she ends up getting so drunk that she can't go home. And the, she's fidg- she's trying to get she her phone drive. to work. Well, yeah, 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 she can't. I'm sorry, not go home. She can't drive home. And she can't get Uber to work on her phone. So I offered to give her a ride home. She said, sure. So we leave, we get in the car and she, she starts to kind of like kiss on my neck and stuff. And I can't, I can't, you know, it's just, that's not right. Like I had had a few drinks, but she was like gone Mm -hmm. and I like, it would not have been moral. Yeah. Which by the way, point, I want to point out that's, that's growth right there. Of course. Of course. Um, but she did offer me a form of payment in cocaine, which mm-hmm. I took, and I did it. I did all of it. And whenever I do cocaine, I get really horny. I just, I just do. Like it just, it triggers me more inside than alcohol could ever do. So, and while I'm on coke, I can drink all fucking night and not feel it. But as soon as I come down off of that cocaine, that is whenever I. Uh, uh, that's whenever the alcohol kicks in, and now I go from being really fucking high to being really fucking drunk, and those are two completely polar opposite feelings, and you just don't know how to handle yourself, so you mm-hmm. just do more blow, and then everything's fine, but I just didn't have any more. But I did spend the rest of that night calling about 32, 35 escorts. Not calling, texting. And I used to use escorts, I wouldn't say a lot, but... More than your average person, probably, but it's not like... I would say your average person probably doesn't at all, but... No, okay, I'm sorry. More more than your average... Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's not... The hookers, the hookers were never really... It was never really an issue that I was, like, seeking it every day. Yeah. It was just whenever whenever I got horny and I struck out at the bar, like, I would, I would have the people that I would call. But I hadn't done it... Years and years and years and years. Uh-huh. And with Cash App and PayPal and all that BS now, there is a, uh, I guess there's a thing now with escorts where you have to give them a deposit before they'll come see you. And I kept telling them, I'm not giving you anything until you get here because I don't know who you are. And I'm not being nice about it either. I am being an ass. Like this is this was like 23, 24 year old Cameron coming out here. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I no one ends up coming over because I refuse to pay them the money. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like I was saying, no, you're gonna come fuck me for free. I was just saying I'm not gonna give you a deposit. I have cash on me. I sent them pictures of the cash. 
It was like, this is all yours. Come get it. Looking back on it now, I see now why they would not do that. Yeah, no. But I end up, I pass out on my couch, and I wake up in the afternoon. Are we good? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I wake up in the afternoon to a text message of a bunch of dead bodies, and it's a text on there that kept calling me gentlemen, but it would constantly say, I hear that we have a problem, gentlemen, that you're refusing to pay the girls, gentlemen. Well, you need to look at these photos, gentlemen, and see what I'm capable of, gentlemen, and blah, 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 and like pretty much just threatening me. But they look like pictures you would get off of Google. Like if you just Googled like murdered bodies, like you just grabbed like those first three pictures. So it wasn't like it phased me. I'm still here, so it's fine. I I never really looked at it and was like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, like I looked at it and went, okay, and deleted it. But it sucks that it got to that point. Mm-hmm. It never had gotten to the point where my life was being threatened. And it, it was... Coming up to the sobriety point here, now I'm at the point where the beer is not the problem because I typically don't drink hard liquor. Like, I just won't. Like, I did whenever I was living with you because that's what you had and I was just being a freeloader is mm-hmm. what is what it was. Well, and I was I freshly it, sober and yeah, was like, you were fr- take yeah, it yeah, absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was but so, so I would use that here, but typically I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just stick to beer because I don't know how to handle the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the beer is not the problem. The problem is the situations that the beer puts me or that I put myself for the beer. I I put myself in those situations for the beer. If I was never at that bar, I would have never been in that situation. And that's the thing that has got me thinking, is it now finally time to give up the booze is it finally that time because i've had those moments where i'm like fuck i'm an alcoholic man all right just hair of the dog you know and so but everyone's thought that at least at, at, at least once in your navy career you have thought that yeah yeah that's uh they used to joke around and say oh you're not really in the navy till you're not really in the navy till you do this you do that and uh one day i said no nah, you're not really in the navy until you wake up and you go oh i probably have a problem i might as well keep going yes and uh, everybody laughed, and everybody went, yep, that's the one. That's, that, that that's is the, the one. one. That's the one. Absolutely. And so it just sucks because I, I like to drink. I, it's not even just – of course, everyone likes to drink, but I also like being around people. People in me, I've just, I've, I've always been just that kind of person. Yeah, you're a people person. People in me, we've always gotten along, and I just it, – it, it's not even the thing of – being around women it's just like it, like i'm it, it's not like that it's just i love the fact that whatever it is that we are all doing in this moment we are all sharing it together i don't know you you don't know me i don't know your beliefs for all i know you're you think the exact opposite of everything that i believe but 
we are all enjoying this moment. We are all coming together and we are watching this sporting event. We are watching this concert. We are seeing this movie. So that's a, that, and you can still do that without having the alcohol, but it, I don't know what that world would look like for me. Could I trust myself around it? Like, and you know what, right now I've got enough time to kind of, if, if I were to make that commitment, you would think that there would be enough time before concerts and sporting events started up again to where I could be not around it long enough to at least have the, the, the mental courage to not partake. But it could just be as simple as just one relapse and then I'm right back to it. But even if you have one relapse, that does not mean that it's the end of the world. Right. You know, fuck the zero, but right. the zero is only there for one day. A, a relapse, I mean, and, and we, we'll get there with, with, uh, with my episode, but a relapse is not a defeat. It's a sign of struggle. Yeah. Cause I mean, I just had one. And so it's, it's, yeah. and it's not like I'm out like cruising the streets for cocaine right now. It was just, yeah. it was just a one-off thing. And I, I, who knows, maybe if I didn't do the whole hooker thing, then maybe I would be, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't maybe know. Maybe you would trust yourself trying it again. Yeah, probably. But I mean, but it, like there was that big thing. And so, yeah. I, so, I mean, I just don't know. Like it just, it's just going to depend on, I mean, I, I have questions that I need to answer and I don't know what those questions are yet, mm-hmm. but you know, like I already know what my mother would probably say. She'd be like, oh, you should have quit drinking a long time ago. Mm, like, wow. like, so it's just, it's, what I told my, uh, I don't know if I told my parents. I thought this when I was talking to my parents, but uh, if I had quit drinking five years ago, I would have started drinking again four years, nine months, and like 30 days ago. You know what I mean? So I think, I think people get to the point when they get to the point. And yeah, I mean, it's just the same thing like quitting cigarettes because I had to. I, I also smoked cigarettes and that yeah. that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But really, whenever I whenever I got there mentally, it was like, OK, boom, like yeah. I, I don't even want to do this anymore. Yeah. And so I, I had half I, I was vaping. I had like half a thing of juice and it wasn't like I'm going to wait until the end of this juice and then I'm done. Nope. I looked at it and I went, I'm done. I threw it away. Done with that. Yeah, dude. Just done skis. So I don't know if. That's that's it for me. Like everything, mm-hmm. everything up until now, that was because. But see, it's it was like this week was kind of leading up to that because I was talking to my mom about this. Oh, she's gonna hear this and she's gonna be so mad. <laughs> I was. I text my. You think she'll listen to this? I don't know. I'm gonna tell her. Yeah, we'll see. I was texting my mom the other day, and it was whenever Alabama and Georgia were playing each other, and my mom, as I said earlier, went to Auburn. So I have to hate Alabama and I do hate Alabama. It's not because of my mother. It's just because I just hate that team. And whenever, uh, whenever they went up big against Georgia and there was a bunch of LSU people cheering for Alabama, like it just drove me nuts. And so I texted my mom and said, I fucking hate Alabama. And she sends me this text message about how I don't need to be up here and I, I, I don't need to be up here running from stuff and you need to come home and all this stuff. And I was like, uh, I didn't mean like, I'm not running from things. I just wanted to talk shit about Alabama. And then my mom sends a text back and just says, I just want you home. And it's like zero regard of what I want in any of this. 
It's mm-hmm. it's it always comes. That's the thing that drives me nuts. And mom, if you're listening to this right now, I love you with all my heart. I swear I do, and I would not want another mother because I don't. Quite frankly, I think you're the only person on the face of the earth that could take me. I think anyone else would have probably smothered me by by the time I was two minutes out of the womb. You know, it's can we put this back? Um, <laughs> so whenever any so, but it always seems like that. Whenever it comes to what I want, it only is okay if it benefits her, is what it seems like. Because I'm moving up here to get some clarity and try and get my life together. And it, it does not seem like that that matters to her. Mm-hmm. All she cares about is that she wants me home but we didn't even see each other that much at home anyway. Like, uh, like I, I've said, I was mediocre son here. But it, it was just one of those things that she was just probably more happy to know that if she needed me, I was just I could be there at a drop of a hat. And now that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was the start of the week. And as the week kind of progressed, like I asked someone out. Which was huge for me, and she, yeah. and and she said she did not say no, but she said that she had a boyfriend. But but just still, I remember hearing that's that. no, yeah, absolutely. And so it's I I remember thinking like, man, I took that rejection really well. Over over the span of this week, everything that has happened, it's it, it all kind of led me to Sunday night. Like it was just, it was just inevitable that something like that was going to happen because, and quite frankly, I miss the person that I was dating back in Texas, like before she went back to California. I, I, I do. I miss her dearly. Yeah. Uh, one thing I understand the thought process, but Sunday night wasn't inevitable. Oh, okay. I, did I That's, use that word? Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I, didn't, I didn't mean to use that word. And, and, and by that, I mean, that's old Cameron mentality. Mm-hmm. That is, I can't do anything but screw up. And, and that is part of why you came up here was to address that. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think I kind of needed Sunday night to, yeah, really see what it was like, because like, I mean, and you said it the other night perfectly. Because I came over here to record our other podcast on Monday, and you knew, you were like, "What's wrong, man?" Dude, and, yeah, you came and sat down. And I was like, "What's wrong?" Oh, dude, it, and I was, I was coming down. I yeah. was coming down, and I didn't lie to you, but I didn't tell you the right. whole truth. I just yeah. said I'm in a funk. Yeah, but. As soon as I got home, I just knew that I, I was like, uh-uh, no. There's no way I'm going to come up here and I'm going to lie about what I have done because that's defeating the move. Mm-hmm. And you said last night, and it, was, it, it, it made everything once again kind of clear to me because I, I, it wasn't like a depression is holding on, sadness is letting go thing. Yeah. But you said that you don't have those distractions that you used to use to make sure that you don't have to deal with any of this stuff. So now it's, I've done the crying, but that doesn't mean that, mm. that everything has gone away. I did the crying, and now that means that I have accepted that it's real, and my, my emotions were like, I can't do anything but cry. 
Right. But they're still here and I need to address them and I don't know how. So I don't know if that just means I need to take like a break from drinking or if I just need to just not keep doing things the way that I'm doing them. I, I honestly think I really need to get a new job just because that job also that I have right now is just, it's very depressing to me just to see how that industry is ran. I just, I just hate it. So I applied at a gym today. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's an anytime fitness that's just right down the road from where I live. Nice. So I called them and they were like, yeah, send your resume through. So here's hoping. And, uh, I, I just think that I trained a client today too. I, my first, oh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. yeah, my first client was today and I was not feeling it, man. I didn't sleep well last night. I just, I, I got, I probably only slept for about two hours mm-hmm. and as soon as he got to my house, I was just like, oh man, I was hoping you wouldn't show. But he, but once we got going, it was like, I got a B12 shot. I just was like, like seriously, fitness is what I am on this earth to do. There is nothing on this earth that makes me feel better than that. And that's the thing that sucks whenever I start like drinking too much because I stop working out. And then that Uh makes me sad because I'm not working out. Uh-huh. Really, because I, I like to make progress. I like to see things get accomplished. And I want to help people do that. Because as a military person, that is all we know is service of others. It's what they beat into our heads whenever we are in and out of the military. Just because that's all we do is service people. And whenever we get out of the military, we are losing that service-ness. And that's why veterans tend to turn towards drugs and alcohol because they're they're missing something they just don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and i've discovered what that something is and i need to fucking stop procrastinating on it and doing it and um because i'll go i'll go through stents like like i told you the other day like once i start drinking a bunch like i stop working out yeah and i you and i worked out what like tuesday yeah tuesday and i hadn't worked out since like i worked out today obviously just because i was with i was with my buddy and i was kind of it wasn't like a workout but i was showing him how to do stuff and i was doing it with him but it just still, it made me feel good. Like, it just did. And I just, I need to, that's just another thing. So that's why I'm thinking that the drinking could be a problem because it's just, it, there's really no benefit to it anymore. It's getting in the way yes. of progress. Yes, yes, it is. So I I just, I, I broke for a second there. <laughs> So I, I, I do, I, you can do anything you, you, you want to do. <laughs> You why do I have you ever have you ever you have you ever you do you ever think you could do anything? <laughs> so yes, it is getting in the way of progress. But I've also been, I've been very critical of groups like AA mm-hmm. and uh, and stuff like that because I think that they don't deal with the issue at hand; yeah. they just deal with the substance. Yeah. And now it kind of seems I was about to say that I don't want to be a hypocrite because I now I'm going to do the same thing. But thinking about it now, I think that I know what I need to do and the alcohol is kind of getting in the way of me dealing with it. So I don't know if that's something I don't know if that's something that once again, that needs to be on pause or if that needs to be something that needs to forever be gone. Like mm-hmm. and I can eventually come back to it in a couple months. I, like, I don't know. And you can't have that mentality. It's like you have to either commit to it all the way or you need to learn to deal with what your progress needs to be if you are going to drink. So and I don't know. I don't know if I can yeah. do that. I don't I, know if I could do the I don't know if I could do the latter. 
I think there's a third option. Uh, and it's, and I, I'll dive more into it in, in my episode, but I think the third option is knowing that the, the drinking is a symptom, not necessarily the issue as a whole, but drinking can become its own issue. But the drinking is a symptom, and until there, you, you can recognize that, hey, I need to stop until I address what the actual issue is that's going to remove the over-drinking uh, uh, or the, the reason for over-drinking. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But see, that's what I, I you just phrased it better than I could. Okay. I was, I, that's what I was trying to say, and okay. I don't think I can do that. Okay. I think that if I were to take a break and then try again, I think that I'd go right back down that rabbit hole. Because I think that I, that like Frank the Tank in old school, you know, once it hits your lips, it's just so good. And then all inhibition goes out the window. And I don't, I, I just don't, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't know what that would look like because I've never tried. The only thing mm-hmm. I've ever tried was, like, sober October. Yeah. Or dry January where I didn't drink but I smoked weed. And that's not long enough. Fooled around long enough. <laughs> Whenever, uh, like, this needs to be at least a month, months-long thing, maybe even a year-long thing. Like, who knows? And then maybe by that point, I won't have any interest in it. But I would be, I think I would be more afraid that if I were to try and get things going again with drinking, that it would just cause me to just derail again. Not necessarily to the point where I would be looking for fucking blow again. Uh-huh. But I, I could just see myself just over-drinking, 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 just because well, the way we started this, I was never really taught how to, pro- like, I was never really taught how to drink responsibly. Yeah. And then I built up this tolerance... So now I just drink a bunch, and uh, not to your extent, but once again, next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up. And uh, whenever the uh, so I, I like I, that those are the questions that I need to ask. Like they like it, this this whole thing started with I have no idea what this is going to look like. Now it's kind of starting to take shape just as we've been talking. Yeah. And now I've just got more questions that need to be answered. Mm-hmm. And I and it doesn't need to be made tonight. I'm not sitting there saying yeah. like let's 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 figure this out right now. It's just mm. th- just off, this is why we need to do this podcast because I would have never even I, I can't sit there and think to myself and come up with answers. Right. I have to I have to discuss it. Yeah, and that that's most people are that way, and that's one of the benefits to having these difficult conversations, and that's one of the things that a lot of people miss out on because they don't have these conversations. That being said, there are a few questions that I wanted to ask. Okay, go ahead. That's that's the end of my story, and like now I just explain to where I am mentally now. So yeah, that's the end. It's the first question, and I'd, this might not be an easy answer. It might be. What is keeping you from deciding to be sober? Because drinking's fun, like mm-hmm. like like that's just it. Like it's there's something about because you know you know what else like if it, yeah I'm gonna say this one thing that does suck is that I can't like share a beer with you now, which is fine. Like I get it, but mm-hmm. there's just something about just sitting down and just having a beer with a buddy. Yeah, and everyone likes to talk about like Mike Ryan. He has a song that talks about uh, 
having a beer with your or, or sharing having having some whiskey with your old man. Yeah. And I never had that yeah, because I my dad, either. you yeah. know, my dad doesn't drink and and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's big to me. It yeah. is. It's a big part of my life and it, it's a big part of my story. And I, I've learned a lot of lessons because of alcohol, whether they mm-hmm. were good or bad, mm-hmm. but like alcohol has kind of grown with me. And I, I know that that makes it sound like it's a dependence. It's not, but there's just something about just being able to just go out and just have a beer with your friends. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's really it. Like you can, you can go out and enjoy yourself, but just once again, it's just about being responsible. And that's the thing that scares me. I just don't, I just don't know. Cause it, all it takes is one time to be irresponsible and you can change your life for the worst. I mean, I almost did it. Yeah. I did it once. I almost did it a second time. Like I almost really did it that second time. And I'm not going to get that lucky if I if if it happens again. Yeah. So do I really want to put myself in a situation where I could potentially be at risk of doing something like that? Or can I get ahead of this and really learn how to control it? Cuz no it, I can't that's not something that I can google. Right. So I mean, we've had this conversation before about Alcoholics Anonymous, and at that point, alcohol is still overpower or in power over your life. If you are not at a point where you can have one or two and stop, and that's why you don't have one or two at all, then then even in that small way, alcohol, I always used to phrase it in a worst way possible, but I always used to say uh, alcohol is still stronger than you. And I ref- I would always I refuse to let it be stronger than me. Mm. I've my way of thinking though has has shifted on that. I still don't think Alcoholics Anonymous is necessarily the answer, but my way of thinking is: look, if you can if you can take what it is that makes drinking responsibly a problem or an issue for you and you can address that, then you will eventually get to the point to where you can trust yourself to have one or two and stop. I mean, do you, do you drink 37 Dr. Peppers? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. So there's, there's a whole lot of other things that are in play with beer or wine or liquor that aren't in play with Dr. Pepper. And for me personally, my goal, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but my goal and, and part of what has made the last 107 days so, I'm not going to say easy, but uh, easier than I thought they would be, is I have in mind that one day I will be able to have a beer with you again. I just know that I can't right now because, like you said, all it takes is that one time to be irresponsible, right? And I don't trust myself with that yet. But that's the point, and that's why I got sober, was to work on what it is that keeps me from being able to do that and and remove that. And then if I trust myself to have one and, and call it, that is drinking responsibly. You don't have to have it modeled for you. You learned the hard way, but but that is drinking responsibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah, I totally get that. I just, um, <clears throat> I was going to add on to that. Nope, go on. So, I mean, that that's all that's all I was going to say in response. Um, 
I'm not going to respond to every question. I just wanted to, to oh, throw yeah, yeah, that yeah, out yeah. there. No, I mean, because if that's because if that is one of the hangups, I want to I want to say like, hey, like, dude, that was one of my hangups for a long time too, and and I think that it is possible to get to the point where you can handle it again, right? But. But at that point, you know, maybe you don't want it anymore. Maybe you don't feel like you even need to try it, it whatever. But the, the next question, I guess, that I have is most people, you and me, uh, when you become dependent on a substance, and it, we were, are you, I mean, I'm not saying you are still, but at points in our lives, we were. There's a pattern of dependence that doesn't start with alcohol. And uh, you, you highlighted it in your story. Your mom was your hero, and you felt like she let you down. And then the next thing that you depended on was probably, like, church, maybe? I don't know. Oh, dude, so much. And then that So let, much. And then that let you down with the way that, you know, everybody said that you were going to be a screw up yeah. or fuck up, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah. And then you go to the Navy and the Navy kind of lets you down a little bit because you originally wanted to join to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. The recruiter, the recruiter let me down. That was the thing. The Navy, like, I, I don't think, I know that we, okay. yeah, we the talked, recruiter let you down. we talked our, we, we always talk our mess about the Navy, but I would never, I wouldn't change a thing of it at all. Cause I know initially I wanted to be a seal. I, I still kind of wish that I would have tried, but if, if I could go back and do it over again and make a different choice, I probably wouldn't. You would have chosen the job that you got. Yes, absolutely. And I would have, I would have looked forward to every day passing to those new people. Like whenever I meet my buddies like Aiden and Slaybaugh and yeah. Sullivan and yeah. Adams and uh, Gara, all those guys, like I, I would have never, never met them. And they're all still very prevalent in my life right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I would say probably the Navy was the one thing that didn't let me down until it came time to get out of the Navy and they got mad that I wanted to get out because I was good at my job. Yeah. I was great at my job and they got all pissy whenever I tried, whenever I said, no, I'm getting out. Right. But then you got introduced to alcohol and you, you depended on that. Alcohol let you down in that it became not enough. And then you go to harder drugs. And those let you down in that they almost killed you and almost ruined your life. And then you shifted your dependence to school. That let you down because, you know, the drugs and all that stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was still the... Yeah. Every, everything was kind of intertwined. You were, try, you were finding, trying to find something to depend on. And then you go to work. And you depend on that job. And then that lets you down. My question is what is going to, what steps are you wanting to take to become independent for the first time in your life? I need to, I I think it's, I've got to get a job in the fitness industry. I know that it's, irresponsible right now to do that but for me right now it would just be irresponsible to not at least try and so that's why i'm starting to kind of train people out of my house but i i think it would be nice if i had a job where it was kind of structured and hopefully a job like that won't let me down 
But I mean, it's it's I, a it's a job still. So who knows what kind of person, what kind of manager you're going to work for? Right. Uh, I mean, I understand that. That's also not the answer to the question that I was asking. What are you going to do to keep yourself from being dependent on something? And you just answered, well, hopefully this next thing that I depend on won't let me down. Well, I mean, I have no idea. I have no idea what I can use to substitute for the dependence because I haven't ever really tried anything else. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the one thing, the one thing I do have in front of me right now though, is that every time that I do anything in the fitness industry, my life feels better, feels more complete. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel sad at all. I don't feel anxious. I don't feel depressed or anything. Even if I was depressed 15 seconds before I started working out, as soon as I commit to do it, and I'm doing it like work is being done. Like I am, I am, this is like the, this is as finite as you can get, not finite, but as, um, uh, definite as yes, as you can get as at progress. Yeah. Like you see the progress with this one, mental stability and stuff like that. It's you, you can't see that. Yeah, not, not you, not initially, you, not yeah. like, not like yeah. that, but it's just initially like one of those things like, like me telling, like me going like, no, like get off of me. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I can't do that. Like that is mental, that is mental growth. And that took years to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Physical growth is right. Not fast, but faster. Right. But what, I, what I'm saying is like, if you, I mean, think, think about it this way. <clears throat> At one point in your life, you probably thought I will never be able to turn down a girl who I'm attracted to for sex, regardless of whatever moral reason, right? Yes. And you've taken steps, and now you you aren't dependent on that. You've you've gained some level of independence to that where you can turn it down for a moral reason. What's different about beer? What's different about the other things? I have seriously, I have no idea. Like these are fucking good questions. And I'm, I'm yeah, I, like I'm not saying like oh you have to have answers. Okay, I think okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Every time something has let me down, beer has always been there for me. It's been the fallback. It has been the fallback, and I think that if I didn't, not if I didn't have it, but like I, I just don't know what that. It feels like to me I would be cutting out the one thing that has always been there for me and has never wavered. Uh huh. To gamble on a lot of things that more likely than not will let me down, and then I won't have anything to go back to. But you're gambling on yourself. Yes, of course. Yes, you're you're, you're gambling on yourself, and it's and, hard for me to do you're, that, man. And you're reverting back to what you've always been told about yourself. Yes, I know, I know. And see, and you know, the thing that sucks is, is man, is is that. The, what whatever whatever it is that I'm feeling inside, it is like overwhelming me right now because there are just some times where I just get so fucking pissed whenever I'm by myself that I just yell. I just yell into nothing. I don't even yell words. I just yell just because I'm so fucking pissed at whatever it is that's in this moment. And I haven't been that angry in a long time. I used to be a very angry kid. Mm-hmm. And... Shit, I was an angry adult for a long time, and I've gotten past that. But now it kind of seems like that stuff like that is kind of creeping back up a little bit, and I don't know. I don't know what that is about, and I'm trying to get ahead of it. And whenever I start to feel angry like that, I don't. 
it's hard for me to keep it in, but then I like whenever I do it and it's done, I'm like, Oh God, like that just, that didn't, that didn't work. What it's, and I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but what it sounds like is alcohol is the band-aid that's made everything else a little bit better to the point where it's been tolerable and you can handle it and you're not sure you can handle real life without that buffer. Which I would say, I would say you can. Yeah, I know. Just the only thing that I have to go off of is I just remember how frustrated I was at the end of like sober October. Like, I just remember how fucking like just keyed up and just ready to go. And I don't know if that was probably because there was an end date to it. And if 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 I were to put a if I if I were to just put like an indefinite stay on it, then I maybe I wouldn't be sitting there being like, oh, my God. November 1st can't get here soon enough. Yeah, I mean, I used to do Sober February every year. And, dude, let me tell you, shortest month of the year, my ass. It was always the longest. <laughs> yeah, and see, I I really do believe that I could handle stuff like that. And if anything, I think that if I were to stop drinking, I could I would probably handle it even better because I would wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I need to go do something. My gym. You know, and so I and I would like dive headfirst into that. Yeah, I'd probably start playing music more often if if uh, if if I weren't drinking because that's 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 always been a good um, that's always been a good form of therapy for me too. Mm-hmm. So I I I have options and I know that I do. I just it just seems like right now it just seems like right now I just I'm I'm not ready to make that big of a commitment just yet. Yeah. Just 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 like just. I do, and nobody nobody can tell you when. You oh yeah, be yeah, ready. De- yeah, 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 definitely not. not. And when is anyone ever ready to? It's like having a kid; like you're never ready to do it. You can read all the books you want, but but I mean, but at the same time, you know, you know, it's like you said with with vaping, smoking, whatever. You, when you were done, you were done. You know, like so. You also have to trust your gut and know that when. When you, when you are ready, when you're capable, like you're going to know. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people, the issue that a lot of people run into is it becomes a necessity before they're ready. And that's why a lot of people relapse. Because mm. you have to stop before you're ready to stop. And I'm not saying that's where you are. I can't tell you. That's that's got to be a decision that you have to make. But like, there will come a day when you will be ready. It happens for everybody. So don't like, don't be afraid of it as this big, looming day that oh man, like. What's that world going to be like? You know what I mean? That's, (laughs) that's weird. Uh, because I'll be honest with you, man. And I know this isn't everybody's story, but, and I can, I can save diving into this for the next episode, but I've never been more clear headed in my life than the first 90 days sober, man. 
never in my life. So, like, there's a lot of scary parts, but what I would say to encourage you whenever you're ready to make that decision, there's a lot of benefits that you don't even know about yet. Yeah, I know. I know. It just... Yeah. So... Yeah. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not like, even if my mind were to be made up right now, I still wouldn't want to make that decision. Like it just, it's way too fresh off of what just happened. Yeah. And I always, I don't want it to seem like it's an overcorrection. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's, that's what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. It's like they wake up that next day and they're like, Oh God, I'm never doing this again. And then it's, it's just, well, I did it again. Right. Right. Yeah. You just become this walking cliche. So I just, yeah. Like, I'll, like, and I'm sure my mind is going to change a million times between now and probably whenever we do this next week. But it'll just, it'll all just depend on shit. A lot of factors, you know, obviously. So, mm-hmm. with all that said, mm-hmm. my last question, being that the Navy introduced you to drinking. I know there's a lot of good memories tied to that stuff. So I want to end this on a positive note. Why don't you share your favorite Navy slash drinking story? Well, this this one won't be my favorite. Okay, we're gonna what, we're gonna say one of the we, most entertaining. Yeah, this 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 will be one of the most entertaining. And if my mom is listening, stop listening. <laughs> we're <laughs> you, you, we're sorry. Yes, you do not want to hear this story, or so- do I don't care. You sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it was this is so funny because I like like dates have been huge for me this 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 episode. Yeah, so and so this date will has also lived in infamy to the point where I still get text messages from my navy from some of my navy friends <laughs> that say, Happy anniversary, you drunk fuck. It's <laughs> it was it was Cinco de Mayo 2008. And I had I wasn't even 21 at this point. And it was me and a buddy of mine who were, we lived on the ship together. And the only reason why I went to the Eisenhower is because of this guy. I would, he, we knew each other in a school and he left first and I would call him and see how he was doing because nobody texted back then. Yeah. And he'd answer the phone. There'd be like parties and you'd hear like a lot of people and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> dude, it sounds like you're really enjoying yourself. He goes, yeah, bro. There's like a movie theater on the boat and there's a bowling alley. They've got an arcade and they and it's all free and they let us use it. Like you really need to come come to this ship. I was like, fucking A. <laughs> so I requested to go to the Dwight D. Eisenhower and I get there and I see my friend for the first time and he like gives me like a what's up and we shake hands and we go to work and we just start doing things and whatever. So after our first day of work, I sit down with him and I go, all right, man, so let's go do some of these parties that you like to go to or let's let's go to that bowling alley or whatever. Let's not just sit here. And he goes, bro, all those parties were in New York. Like I, I take a bus to New York every weekend. This this sucks. There's no there's no movie theater. There's no bowling alley. I just wanted someone here with me. And and the worst part was is he was called a service. So he only did 18 months active duty. <laughs> he was only on the ship for like eight months. He didn't even go on the first deployment that we went on. And he left. And I was on the ship for another three fucking years. Like, fuck you, Mike Garrison, if you're listening to this. Fuck you, sir. 
But with all that being said, uh, I'm hanging out with my friend here, Cinco de Mayo, 2008, and there's a we were in the shipyards at the time, so the the boat wasn't going underway, and but we were in Portsmouth, Virginia, which if anyone has not been there, that place is not the nicest of neighborhoods, but it is still a very pretty downtown area. And we would walk down, we would walk from the ship because we lived there and none of, and we didn't have uh, cars or anything. And we'd walk to this bar called Thumpers. And they would always serve. This is how my life worked with, with, with Mike Garrison is, uh, he would get away with everything and I would get away with nothing. He wasn't 21 yet. I wasn't 21. They served him every time we went to Thumpers, and they never served me. But the reason why they let me stay in the bar is because we always brought big crowds. They were just like, no, you can't drink. We know you're not 21. So I'm just like, well, damn. And so we get to the bar, and I'm just so desperate to just be around people. I don't even care if we're if I'm drinking or not. And so I'm sitting at the end of the bar and everyone else is like playing pool or something and I'm just hanging out and this guy comes up to me and he is hammered off of his ass and he puts his arm around me and he goes, hey man, where's your date? Like, I don't have a date, it's just me chilling, I'm here with my friends. And he goes, oh yeah, okay, what's up? That's cool, man. But where's your beer? Like, I don't have a beer, I'm not 21. He's like, what? You look 25, man. Like, showing me off to all of his friends. Like, how old do you think this bastard is? Whatever. He points to the table over there in the corner. He goes, bro, go sit there. I got you. I'm like, all right. So I sit down, and he walks up. He's holding two beers. He puts down one beer and then walks away. I'm like, sweet. So I'm sitting here drinking the beer. The guy comes up, and he brings up two shots. He does a shot and leaves the other one down on the table. I do the shot, and it was Everclear. And he kept doing this to me all night. I don't know how many beers he bought me. I don't know how many shots he bought me, but it was a lot. And I don't remember leaving the bar. I don't remember getting back on base. I don't remember getting on the boat, going to bed, nothing. The next thing I remember is waking up in my, in my rack, just being like, Oh, thank God that I'm not, that I'm not like laying in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. So I get, (laughs) I get out of bed. And I see my buddy Mike coming from the bathroom because we've got to go to work that day. Uh, and uh, my buddy Mike uh, comes around the corner and I go, what's up, man? He goes, what's up? That was a pretty crazy night last night, wasn't it? And he says the worst sentence you could ever tell anyone who's ever blacked out. You don't remember what happened, did you? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Apparently, what had happened was... Well, what had happened was see that's that's a dated joke now, isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah, there's 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 like twenty two year old kids that probably don't even know what that is. Ooh, it's weird. Anyway, whenever uh, so apparently what happened is is we got back on the boat just fine. Like I didn't cause a scene at the bar, which had happened before, and uh, we we get in bed and Mike wakes up at four or five in the morning, whatever, to go take a piss. And the way that our ship was set up is the the boat has two different sides, the left and the right side. And our berthing, which is where we slept, is on the left side of the front part of the ship. I'm trying to use, like, layman's terms. Uh, yeah, layman's terms here. I'm not trying to use Navy jargon. But uh, on the front left part of the ship, and you have to walk all the way across the aircraft carrier, which is a big ship, to the to the right side of the ship, and that's where our bathroom is. 
Well, Mike gets up to go to the bathroom and <laughs> he jiggles the handle and it's locked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, this is our bathroom. Like, why would it be locked? <laughs> well, my drunk ass forgot about the back entrance. It's like a little scuttle. Yeah. And it's, it's like a little, like a little circle door. Yeah. Oh yeah. For, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Scuttle is yeah. like a, uh, it's a, it's a hatch. It's a very small round hatch. Not a big, not a big hatch, a small one. And so he goes and he opens the, the, the hatch in the back and he goes in there, he takes a piss. And so the, the, the bathroom is set up like stalls on the right, a long hallway, and then sinks on the left. But in between that long hallway, there's a curtain and a blocked off area where the showers were. And I don't know what it's like now with smartphones because I didn't have I didn't get my first smartphone until I got out of the Navy. Yeah. But I do know that with flip phones in that big ship, you don't get service. Unless you find an overboard discharge, which is just a long tube that you connect hoses to, and it just it, it just spits water off the ship into the into the water. But if you go there and you twist off the cap, you can get service there. Well, in our shower area, <laughs> there was an overboard discharge. Took the little cap off, and my buddy Mike is walking past that shower area to go unlock the front door because I thought I was so smooth. And he walks past the curtain. He hears me say, oh, yeah, you really going to do that to me? He's sitting there like, what the fuck? And he peeks through the curtain. He doesn't open it all the way. He's discreet about it. And I'm sitting on the floor of this bathroom, butt-ass naked. Which, first of all, oh, every the place, most disgusting place ever. E- every place on the ship is disgusting, but the showers are... The, the, the bathrooms are... Impe- I would rather go to a McDonald's bathroom barefoot. Yeah, it's the grossest thing. Like, you have to take the shower. Uh, in the showers, you have to take the drains out if you're one of the damage control maintenance people, and you have to clean it. Ugh. And whenever you take it out, there's sperm all over the... Uh, oh, my God. That's... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the most disgusting place. I'm sitting butt-ass naked on the floor next to the overboard discharge, dick in one hand, cell phone in the other hand up to my ear on a talk dirty number. Like, you remember the 1-900 numbers that were a thing? I called one, got drunk and called one and started jerking it. So my buddy Mike does not let me know that he is there. He goes to laugh at me for a second, and then he's like, We've got to, I've got to fuck with him now. So he flings the curtain open and goes, What are you doing? Well, what I was doing was coming on myself because as soon as he pushed that shower curtain open, what are you doing? I just jizz all over my bare chest and stomach. <laughs> so I sit there in my own filth <sighs> on and- top of someone else's filth. <laughs> and my buddy Mike is just standing there looking at me, clean myself up and get dressed. And Mike goes, what was that? I was like, this is what I said. No, I was like, you got me. It was one of those talk dirty numbers. <laughs> and we're going back to the birthing. And I keep going, don't tell anybody, please, for the love of God, don't tell anybody. I don't remember any of this. This is Mike telling me this story. And so while he's telling me what happened, I'm just standing there, just mouth, just open, just so embarrassed. And I was like, you didn't tell anyone, did you? He goes, no, of course not. 
I get dressed and this we go. This is the guy who th- this told is, you yeah, there's a bowling alley on this ship. I know. <laughs> I know. I was nine. I was nineteen, man. Oh, I was eighteen. No, 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 no. Oh, I was you just, nineteen. You turned nineteen. Yeah, now. I was nineteen oh, yeah, okay. at this point. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, 19 yeah, at this point. Yeah. I was born in 88. Um, so I didn't know. I was just as naive as anyone. And <sighs> so I get dressed. We go down to the armory. And as soon as I walk in, everyone's just going. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, son of a bitch. So I still There's- get text messages from people on Cinco de Mayo wishing me a happy anniversary. And this year's Cinco de Mayo was... Fuck, dude. 18 years ago. No, 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 no. 12. I'm sorry. 12. I'm sorry. 12. Sorry. 12. 12 years ago. But still. Math is hard. For me, yes, it is. I can only count by 45s. That's the only way that I can count. The plates. Oh. That's the only, I'm serious. I know that that's so like eye rolling and like, God, what a douche. But it's really, that's the only math I can do. So that was a fun, enjoyable story. <laughs> I think some people are listening to that. Like that was, that was depressing. Like that was not funny. Like, you should have quit drinking then. <laughs> I mean, and you're not wrong. No, <laughs> those yeah. who are thinking that are not wrong, but just think I, like, and we started that saying that that's not even my favorite Navy story. That's not even the wildest. Oh, dude, not even close. That was just the very first one. That was the very first That's one. That's the very yeah. first Navy story that I ever had that was worth telling on me. At A school, I got a bunch of stories I could tell about other people. I was actually really good in A school. Once I got to the boat, whoo, boy, yeah. it was bad. Ooh, doggy, that was some bad advice. It was, man. I sh- <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have gone to the Eisenhower. <laughs> <laughs> You know, looking back, I think I would change everything. Yeah, going looking back, I should have just joined the Air Force. <laughs> oh man! Well, that's my story. <sighs> I yeah, it's good to end that with a laugh. Yeah, that was that, that was a good idea. Well, uh, this has been the first episode ever of Why Would You Bring That Up, and now you know why we would bring that up. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll work on that. <laughs> no, I think that's good. That's that, that's staying. <laughs>